we come to this time of prayer, joining our hearts and our minds in prayer to God as we pray for our wounded world. We were reminded this week that our world is wounded with the shootings and the deaths and the sickness and the spreading sickness. And so we come to this time acknowledging that we are all suffering and that our world is wounded. And so we pray for the healing. I invite you to sing and to pray. Rick, smart leading our prayer. <coughs> suffering. Our siblings are suffering. Suffering from the effects of systemic injustice, brutality and violence, racism and inequity, political polarization and environmental abuse, greed and oppression. We remember that when one of us suffers, we all suffer. We remember the great love and patience of Christ as he endured suffering. We remember the vision of Christ, a world where the suffering are comforted, where suffering is no more. We look forward to a day when suffering is no more. Actively working toward it, instigating change, doing self-reflection and self-evaluation, bringing heavenly values to earth. Instead of resisting suffering, we pass through it with courage, knowing that weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning knowing that after death comes resurrection. 
Help us, God, as we walk alongside Christ the suffering servant and alongside our siblings who are suffering. Comfort each of us in our own souls that we may comfort the world. Imagining together, we've been, I think this is our fifth, fifth week of reimagining. Um, but you know what? It's, it takes a lot to reimagine, doesn't it? And we're going to continue reimagining together. Um, our frame for this series is, if you had all the building blocks for a new world, what would you build? The pandemics of COVID-19 and white supremacy have revealed that many of our systems, institutions, and ideas aren't holding up the way we thought they might. But what if this moment is also a sacred opportunity to reimagine ourselves and our communities? So we are opening ourselves to holy imagination and imagining what could be on the other side of this moment. I have been working on reimagining my life for many months. I didn't start reimagining as soon as I had my concussion last October because I thought in a few weeks I would be back to normal, to who I had been before my concussion. And then I thought for sure in a few months, I would be back to normal. And now that I'm 11 months, nearly, not quite, 11 months into this recovery, I have no idea when I will stop being affected by my concussion. And I have come to reimagine my life and understand that there are benefits to not going back to who I was and who I expected my future self to be. So here's a, a short, shortened version of the story through my post-concussion experience in story and images. 
So less than a week after my concussion, the major annual fundraiser for Greater Portland Family Promise, the nonprofit that I was the executive director of, was scheduled to happen. And I wasn't able to do any of the prep for that event, but I went, I attended. I didn't say anything to the whole crowd, but <laughs> Courtney did that, but I, I showed up. And I think I seemed semi-normal at the event. <laughs> at least in some ways, my symptoms in that loud, bright environment were less actually than they would become in a few months, a few months after that. So a few weeks after that, I um, made an effort to drive myself to Catherine's school for a presentation that she had been working on for the last month and Alan hadn't, wasn't able to attend and I hadn't yet visited her classroom. So or met her teacher. So I wandered around lost and overwhelmed from the moment I entered that building, though I've been in that building for um, many, many years. Rachel started kindergarten there. So I found, I finally found Catherine after, that was the third, fourth grade classroom I entered looking for her. And I told her that I needed to leave right away instead of staying. And I realized that day that I really shouldn't be driving. So I didn't for a while. So then after that dark and quiet became my favorite companions. I spent a lot of time in our bedroom with the shades pulled all day long and artificial light and bright light reflected on white snow especially kept me retreating. I just stayed in our room for large portions of every day, even when I was trying to continue to work. Earplugs, darkened glasses, and wide rim hats were the crutches that I leaned on heavily. And getting noise canceling headphones and special glasses for migraines were was really essential for me to just get through everyday life and when i was at hope gateway in this photo i forgot to take my wide brim driving hat off um i took this embarrassing picture of myself in the bathroom no none of the staff told me that i was still wearing my ridiculous hat <laughs> just kind of them you know, we accept all kinds of strangeness at Hope Gateway as normal. <laughs> um, but you might have experienced, if you talked to me um, in those months at Hope Gateway and you wanted to tell me something personally, I would maybe say to you, come over here, because I couldn't really listen to just one voice. Um, if there was another conversation going on near me, I can't, I couldn't focus in on one voice and tune out the other noises around it just wasn't possible in my brain so even though i don't have to wear earplugs and shaded glasses while indoors i still sometimes notice i have ringing in my ears or eye pain after high stimulation it's amazing what no noises go unnoticed to my family that can feel like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Long car rides require covering my eyes and noise canceling headphones all while riding in the back seat.
And I still can't predict for sure how I will feel tomorrow or even the next hour. And just this week, I had to retreat from my daughter because the TV show that she was watching pushed me to the edge of my stimula mental stimulation. I don't know what to compare it to except a panic attack, which I have never experienced. I sometimes just have to run away from a situation to be able to recover and reintegrate my physical, neurological, and mental self. The blessing of COVID for me is that I haven't had to be around lights and loud situations barely at all. And I haven't needed so many protections from the world because we're all retreating into our quiet spaces. And usually I can make my house as dark as I want, usually. But a phone conversation, a long phone conversation or a Zoom meeting or a video call even more so, or a family dinner, can push me to the edge of my capacity. Or, in that same thing on another day, I can weather that same thing just fine. I retreated to my dark, quiet bedroom with brown noise and my weighted blanket and figure out if a rest or a nap is required to reintegrate. This is something that I have had to come to accept. It doesn't mean that it doesn't make me frustrated or angry or sad sometimes, but for the most part, I have stopped fighting it. For the most part. I um, started listening to an audiobook recently by Elizabeth Pierce, and the book is called Lost and Found, Recovering Your Spirit after concussion. And um, she's an English professor and author from Canada. I think she has some beautiful images explaining the reality of recovery from concussion. Here's what she says. Here's a hard thing about concussion. When you can't think, you're left with only feeling. Raw, unfiltered emotion comes pouring down on you in waves. And you have to learn to roll with those waves or get knocked over with each fresh assault. Because you don't get to do much while healing from concussion, you become by default a master of just being. Abiding would be a good word. Through this process, many of us learn that full acceptance of the awfulness of our situation, rather than resistance to it, may be the key to recovery. We learn by repeated experience that our emotions are impermanent, but our spirit is not. And she continues, being patient, while the healing process folded was not e unfolded was not easy. The river I was floating on twisted and snaked, sometimes slowly, sometimes tossing me in its rapid. I expended large amounts of energy trying to steer the river and paid the price when my reserves were exhausted. I needed to adopt a different tactic to change what I didn't like about my situation. I needed to change my perspective. I learned how to do this 
by practicing acceptance. This idea of acceptance is not an easy one. She suggests a few ways to reach acceptance, but I think we really each get there in our own ways. Sometimes after a necessary banging of our heads against the wall. The words of Paul to the church in Philippi came to me as I was reflecting on this concept of acceptance. I think Paul thinks a little too highly of his ability to be content, honestly. But nevertheless, he outlines a beautiful ideal that we can all strive for. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in the book called the Philippians chapter four, beginning in verse 10. I was very glad in the Lord because now at last you've shown concern for me again. Of course, you were always concerned, but had no way to show it. I'm not saying this because I need anything, for I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experiences of being in need and of having more than enough. I've learned the secret to being content in any and every circumstance. Whether full or hungry, whether having plenty. Or we can always be content. Whoops, my notes don't match the scripture. <laughs> I know the experience, full or hungry, whether having plenty or being poor, I can endure all things through the power of the one who gives me strength. Still, you have done well to share my distress, he writes to those in Philippi. As Erica said, it's not that we can do all things. I really like this um, translation because it says I can endure all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe it's a little too much to expect to be content in all circumstances, but we can endure we can endure more than we ever imagined. We can do endure especially when God's, when we know that God's power is with us and for us and that we are not alone. We can share each other's distress and concern. And through these assurances, we can endure. We all go through suffering, but we are never alone. My dear friend and fellow concussion warrior, Carrie, and I have profound conversations almost every day. Okay, not all of them are profound, <laughs> but they are all reflective of our post-concussion struggles and reality. And one concept that she introduced to me is this idea, the idea of mourning the loss of our future selves. 
Letting go of who we thought we would be is also something to mourn. We all have hopes, dreams, ambitions, and realizing that we won't be able to achieve those things brings a sense of sadness. With the global pandemic and the reality of the global climate crisis, we are all realizing that the future is not going to be better than the past. The best is not yet to come for our earth, for the global human family. Therefore, we are all mourning what could have been what we imagined being for 2030, for 2040. We are all mourning the loss of our future selves, letting go of what we thought that might be. Having a concussion has really caused me to reevaluate my ambition for the future my ideas of success. I want my dreams to be achievable, not impractical. And what is practical has changed for me, for the present, and for who knows how long into the future. And as Elizabeth Pierce wrote, acceptance is a change in perspective. It's not easy, but it does lead to more contentment. There are real gifts in the slower life I lead these days. I no longer have two jobs, and therefore I no longer imagine to manage two different staff teams. I'm not running from one meeting to the next and forgetting to eat lunch. That's a benefit. During this time, I gave myself permission to take up knitting. And after learning to enjoy the practice of it without a result, which means creating and undoing multiple times with the same yarn, there's a powerful metaphor in that, creating and undoing, creating and undoing, not being super productive. After that, I was able to move on towards creating things that I would have never given myself the time to do like this mitten for Courtney to use with her cane, which I designed <laughs> and figured out how to make, and hats for Catherine and myself and other things. I am ever so grateful that I have found ways of feeling like I am being, taking an active approach to my healing, taking actions to better help, get help, get better helps me check that I, that I must be productive box that I am trying to make smaller in my life. Going to the Portland Neurology Clinic in the beginning five days a week and now two days a week helps me to heal and gives me people to listen to my symptoms and struggles and gets me out into the world in a safe space. I may not be living the life I expected to be one year ago today, but the truth is that none of us are. The future that we had imagined is no longer the one we are living. And there is a gift in letting go of the illusion of control and embracing the knowledge that though we may be unsure of so much, 
we are without a doubt held in the hands of a loving God and surrounded by a community who is on this journey with us. I'd like to close with a prayer in the words of Thomas Merton from his book, Thoughts in Solitude. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that desire, the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear. For you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. May it be so. Now Eva Cook is going to share with us a beautiful song called Love Will Never Fail. Love is patient, love is kind. It has no arrogance or pride. It seeks the good of others first. It keeps no record of wrong or no joy in wickedness, but rejoices in the truth, and through it all it will endure. Love will never fail.
of this broken world, you who are present with your people and the earth itself, we pray to you. <clears throat> 